everyone. It's me, Amanda, the host of Close Horse. And as I mentioned last week, I'm taking some time off to go to Japan. In fact, if you listen to this the day it comes out or very close to it, I probably am in Japan. Hi, future Amanda. I hope you're having a really good time and I hope you ate a lot of exiled sandwiches from 7-Eleven and your feet don't hurt too much. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Anyway, I'm also taking time off to, you know, do a bunch of research and reading to work on outreach for future guests and just generally get both rested and inspired. I'll probably be taking most of May off, which sounds like a really long time, but is four weeks at most. And during that time, I plan on re-releasing some of my favorite episodes from the past, believe it or not, nearly three years of Close Horse. We're going to get started with episode 131, which was released in 2022. For this one, I'm joined by Dylan, who is my child, and Ryan, their partner. They both work together in the sorting area of one of the biggest nonprofit thrift store chains in the United States. You know who this chain is, but I'm not going to say their name. And Their stories are super important for understanding the sheer volume of donations that are coming into thrift stores every single day and the sheer amount of waste that is involved with all of it, among many other things that are difficult to hear, but important to know. I think this one ties in so nicely with the resale series that I just finished. So let's give it a listen. Today's special guests are dun, 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 my daughter, Dylan, and their partner, Ryan. Last year, they both worked for one of the largest thrift store chains in the United States. At first, we were, as a family of avid thrifters, pretty excited about their new jobs. But pretty rapidly, as these things tend to happen, their stories really shifted a lot of my own thinking around donation thrifting, and our own behaviors when it comes to the stuff we no longer want. Like a lot of the things we talk about here on Close Horse, the thrift industry has a major impact on the humans working within it. Wages are low, expectations are high, and there is little room for advancement. Also, it's gross and frequently dangerous. Dylan and Ryan were visiting me in Austin last week, and I asked them if they would be willing to share their experiences with you. This is the first episode I've recorded IRL with a guest, and it was so fun. Definitely makes me want to do way more in-person interviews in the future. So let's jump right into our conversation. All right, why don't the two of you go ahead and introduce yourselves to everyone? Hi, my name's Dylan. Hello, my name is Ryan. And are either of you related to me by blood? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so Dylan and Ryan are joining us today because they are past employees of a really large thrift store chain. I We're not going to say the name here, but... I think that this brand has become shorthand for thrifting or donation in general, sort of like Kleenex is for tissue. Uh, so you you know the place that we're talking about. You've probably been to one. You may have donated some of your unwanted stuff there. And we're, today we're going to talk about 
what happens to our stuff when we drop it off there, uh, the reality of it and its end life. And we're also going to talk about what it's like to work for this very huge thrift chain um, and what the impact of that business and its policies is on the people who work there, which is something that we we just don't hear enough about. Spoiler alert, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true. So why don't the two of you explain when you worked there and what you did? So I worked there from uh, October of 2020 to June of 2021. I started out there as a cashier for a few months, and then I was moved to the back where I was then a production associate. Uh, Production associates pretty much do whatever task needs to be done. Um, That could be anything from wear sorting, clothing sorting, hanging up clothes, just anything that needs to be done that the people in the other positions are not able to do. Um, From there, I was then um, made a wear sorter, and the wear sorters are in charge of going through anything that is not clothing or textile of any kind and sorting them to be put out onto the floor as well as pricing them. I started March 2021 um, and left June 2021. I applied to be a DSR, which is the donor service representative, but was placed in a wear sorting position. I was then probably a month later moved to the DSR position, um, which is taking in donations from the door, taking donations from off the truck, like raw wares, raw textile, um, and then again, re-putting everything back onto the truck to be taken to wherever it is they take it to. So let's start with stuff arriving at the at the at the store. You know, this was a place that accepts donations in addition to selling. Not all thrift stores are like that, but I would say most locations of this chain do both. So what was the standard routine for when stuff arrived? Like did people just leave it there or did you actually have interaction with them? It sounds like you did, Ryan. Well, so it it, it was weird. I basically, like, when we would open, I would go out and put out a, uh, like, board and some big bins, uh, like, spring bins for everything to, be to, like, fit. Um, there would be times where they would ring the doorbell um, to get assistance. Uh, at that point, it was kind of like peak pandemic, so we weren't really able to help them take things out of their cars. Uh, or but, people would just simply ring the bell to let us know that they dropped something yeah. off, but other times people would just drop it off without telling us they a lot of the time wouldn't put them in the bins where they were supposed to go they would kind of just shove it under the railing onto um the concrete stoops that they were or just sit it out on the curb not even going up the steps like they're supposed to making it harder for my job to be done really yeah i mean i do think you know this is something we talk about a lot on close horse is that a lot of people use these places, whether they're bins or actual stores where they're dropping it off, as kind of like a dumping ground. It's really interesting to me. It's sort of like, oh, I'm going to go this extra stop to dump it here instead of in my trash. But often the same sort of mental approach is taken to it where it's like, we're just not even going to think of the people working here. We're just going to drop it off. There has been times where we have 
told people that we cannot accept the specific items that they're donating or that we are just too full of donations and we can't accept them because we quite literally do not have room for them and people will come up with every excuse or try to guilt trip you into taking the donation they'll be like oh but i came all the way here you can't just take one more item even though oftentimes it would be like a whole couch or just (laughs) literal trash (laughs) Yeah. yeah. They would make the story of like, oh, well, but this is my like mom's, she's a cancer patient or just something along those lines of just like, <laughs> the most irrelevant please things. feel bad and take this. I drove five minutes from my house to here with all of these boxes of garbage. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it costs money to get excess trash carried away or even certain items like a couch, like a television, like appliances. You would have to literally pay a service to come and pick it up, right? I think a lot of people use these donation centers as a way to get rid of stuff for free rather than bear the actual responsibility of these things that they owned and no longer want. It makes me really angry. We had a a large thrift store pretty close to our last home in Burdenhand, and they had a huge dock for donations and like bins as well out there, but- You know, during like peak pandemic time when, especially like during Delta, where things would just close because they didn't have enough staff or because like the city itself was closing things, I would go by there and I would just see tons of just, I mean, trash tossed there, whether it was broken furniture or like a stove or stuffing garbage bags that were like ripped open already, like out in the rain and the snow. And I realized that like people use a lot of these thrift stores as trash cans, I mean, I would say at least 60% of the donations that we received were unsellable. If not And not even just because of any guidelines that our management just didn't want us to put out for whatever reason. Like, sometimes it would be actual trash, shattered glass, stuff covered in dirt, mud, rat droppings, just stuff that you wouldn't think to donate because nobody would be able to use that yeah just using it as trash i mean i remember you telling me once when you were still working there that you dreaded when like the auctioneer companies would show up so oh yeah in pennsylvania like people don't really have estate sales as much as they have these like auctions of their estates it's so strange it's like such a pennsylvania thing and so it's it's basically the same as an estate sale, but with like bidding and, you know, be five, five, six, six, like that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's essentially like the same kind of thing. And you were saying that you dreaded when they would show up. Oh, because it would be large trailers and it would almost all be trash. Absolute trash. Or or just like a large amounts of huge furniture that they would expect one person. Like sometimes we would we would be lucky to have two DSRs on at a time. Um while we would work but like they they weren't allowed like customers and donors like we're not allowed inside the back of course for liability reasons and just also because they're not allowed but like we in the back had no room to store any of this furniture if we even wanted to and then on the floor it was just a small square like smaller than a living room really to store all of this furniture that they expected us to keep and you were saying that you would receive a lot. I mean, yes, you would receive broken things, things that were unsafe for humans to be around or things that were moldy, that kind of thing. But you also just re- received a lot of stuff that like you couldn't sell anyway. Like I remember you telling me like alcohol. 
Yeah, people would donate, I mean, just pretty much anything, like alcohol, guns, we've gotten grenades, people have donated dildos, plenty of sex toys have been donating to us, um... Not sure why, because some of them look like they might have been used. <laughs> uh, some of them also were like, um, like once were alive, like animal, like things, like like just like weird oddities of that that sort, and like we just simply were not allowed to put out. Like there was this like baby shark thing in like some sort of terrarium, like surprised that it didn't break in its transit to that place, um, but. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, once again, it goes back to this idea that people are using these donation centers as, as like a, I don't know, like a dumping site, right? And so anyone with any common sense would know that most, th- in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say all thrift stores because I've never seen this anywhere, can't sell guns, can't sell dildos, can't sell open bottles of alcohol or alcohol at all. Yeah. Um, and so once it's just like, oh, I just want to get rid of this with the least amount of effort possible right we also would get a, a lot of food which i didn't understand why they would donate food not to, to a, a thrift store bank. when yeah there's honestly like four food banks within a five mile or less radius of where we worked yeah it's i so lazy. have seen some other stores um in this chain put food out on the shelves but at our specific location they didn't want us putting food out on the shelves and I still don't see a lot I, of it, and I just think it would be way better if it was donated to a food bank. I also, like, I wasn't even, like, it was really unclear as to whether it was, a, a like, a, a rule itself or an unspoken rule of we're not allowed to sell this, or if it, like, Dylan had said, like, if it was just strictly our store or not. I mean, everybody, if it was, like, a snack that I didn't have to cook, you're basically donating to Dylan because I would eat it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, potato chips. Not, like, a can of beans, but if, like, you donated fruit roll-ups, you bet I ate them. <laughs> People donated fruit roll-ups? Yeah, yeah like stuff gummies, like that. potato chips, <sighs> Bush's baked beans. I mean, I do love Bush's Chef baked Boyardee. beans. <laughs> wow, yeah, I mean... It was. It doesn't surprise me, but yet you two would tell me stories that were pretty, pretty upsetting because I just think it comes back to people kind of being lazy, kind of not wanting to think things through, kind of ultimately not wanting to bear the responsibility of the stuff in their lives, but not like taking a moment to say like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had all this stuff in the first place if all I'm going to do is ditch it on yeah. someone else, make it someone else's problem. Okay, so... Let's say, you know, some stuff arrives and, you know, it's not guns or dildos or food and it's not all broken or moldy or poopy, which I know you guys get a lot of too. Oh, yeah. Um, what happens next? Like, in your opinion, what percentage of stuff that comes through that door that's not gross or unsellable, like, because it's dangerous or just not, like, something you can carry, what percent of that other, like, decent stuff actually gets out onto the sales floor um i would say the majority of that stuff 80 to 90 percent of it um the main things that they didn't want us putting out not because it was unsafe for any logical reason was things like cassette tapes and books with yellow pages for some reason they didn't want that out um occasionally it would just be like oh, there's a small piece of paint missing on this ceramic figure, therefore you can't put it out. Um, The rules kind of 
changed a lot. They varied all the time. So one thing that wouldn't you wouldn't be able to put out one day, you could put out the next, just depending on who was putting your bin out on the floor. It was really irritating. Um, plus, we had incentives that we were supposed to meet. So we tried to get everything out that we possibly could to fill a bin, even if it was not really supposed to go out yeah Yeah, uh with those incentives it like it ran the risk of potentially losing your position um as like a sorter whether it be like wares or textile sorting um so you like dylan had said you just want to put out as much of anything that you could especially if it looked good to get your bin to be passed and what happened to the things that didn't pass so there would just be these giant uh gay lords i would say they were probably like six by six by six something like that um that would be placed in between the sorters desks and then we would just literally throw things in there like anything it it could be complete trash i would try to if it was trash trash i would try to throw it in the trash can next to me but because they wanted us to work so fast i couldn't do things like empty my trash all the time because it would take up my time for making and filling bins so usually we would just throw it in the gaylords and then where would the gaylords go Well, that would be something that i would take care of as a dsr so um we had a lot of um shitheads uh that we worked with um as sorters Mainly, really, just one. He would just throw anything and everything into the Gaylords, which there is some sort of like um, a sort sorting thing that you have to do with that as well. Uh, you cannot throw glass of any kind in those because uh, it runs the risk of getting hurt for people that deal with the Gaylords after. Yeah, there um, was a second, um, quote unquote, second sort, which is what we called it yeah, for the glass. Yeah, that would also be something that I would. Well, have there was to supposed to be sort and deal with as well, but. Um, any other sharps that you had, like w- even down to forks and butter knives, you weren't allowed to throw into the second sort. There was a sharps container or just literally it was a, a box, a cardboard box that we would put our trash bag into. And once that got full, you would let me or the other DSR on shift know to get that, tape it up um, and throw it towards the back near the truck, which had our sharps second sort. But um we would have to it, you could not allow the second sort to get too full because we also had to put like um one of those plastic skids on top for whenever we took it and did our truck because then that would just go to pretty much i guess that would be where they would dump the rest of it for the outlets that they would yeah like the bins. To, the bins to my knowledge yeah, that's where the it would go that's where it would go but i'm pretty sure that they do other things with it i'm just not really sure all they would say is that they would send it to the outlet center but there's no way that they were sending it all there there was definitely some sorting going on in the back of those outlet centers with some of that stuff yeah where it would be further yeah so in the gaylord would you divide would you separate out textiles and clothing yeah that's a completely different section in the back room so all clothing is going to be in a separate second sort from the wares and of course people would oftentimes donate trash bags that had both textiles and wares in them so dsrs if they had time would try to go through and separate the wares from the textile to make it easier on the wear sorters but depending on how busy in the volume of stuff that we were getting that day that wasn't always possible 
Plus, you know, you just sometimes miss it. So either way, whether wear sorter or a DSR had to sort through them, if there was textile in the wares, we would have to walk it back to the second sort or just give it to um, whoever is a clothing sorter back there to sort through then because they weren't supposed to be in Mm. the same Gaylord. I will say, having been to the bins for various different thrift stores that operate that way, I... I have noticed so much trash in there, like mm-hmm. straight up trash. Yeah. Not things that got broken in transit or feel valueless to me, like literally trash. Yeah, like, like a, a food wrapper wrappers. Or yeah. Just like, a, like crumbled up papers, because that's exactly what it would be. Like, like Dylan had said earlier, you as a sorter, like a wear sorter, you don't have time to really um, go through and do all of it because you have to price things and you have to get it in your bin. You have to, like, even just simply turning around or bending down takes so much time even if you don't think so it could be a millisecond but it takes a lot of time off of looking through your spring bin to put into the plastic rolling cart that goes out on the floor to be processed not to mention you have to take a lot of time to typically clean stuff because even if stuff is sellable it is donated to us in the worst condition oh i believe it and they only give us like an off-brand windex to clean everything and they don't even give us our own um rags in fact all of our rags are donated so if people would donate washcloths and you it looked like your washcloth supply was getting low you would take some of those for your own supply and it's not like we had a washing machine so once once um a washcloth was too dirty we would just throw it in the trash or the the second sort yeah because there was nothing else that we could do with it yeah wow yeah i mean that doesn't surprise me either i will say i think that the location the two of you were working in was like a little bit of a tighter ship even though i know it was really dysfunctional and chaotic because the location near our house everything was so filthy like i'm a big fan of the whole wares section like that's where i go first so i'm always looking for glassware and kitchen stuff and what have you and like things would be filthy yeah. like the kind of filthy that they get because they've been sitting in storage for a really long time and like in someone's basement or yeah shed. always yeah. wash your thrifted glasswares please, please yes. don't ever seriously anything of that ilk for even sure. if it looks clean it's you not, need to wash it, it. it's not has windex residue please yeah yeah um so i anyway i thought it was really interesting that the two of you were cleaning stuff because yeah. I, that has definitely not been my universal experience well, there's also, also yeah there's also some guidelines like you can't just put anything in your bin so somebody someone else then puts out the bin on the floor for you yeah. and then they have to sign off on it and you can't have more than like two defective even though the definition of defective in this case is very broad um you can't have more than two defective items otherwise your bin fails and it doesn't count towards the amount of bins that you did that day so but- say that you got 10 bins out, but one of your bins had three defective items in it. They would only be counted as nine bins. So what would qualify something in the wear section as being defective? So, so something that would qualify that way would be anything like that's like cracking or breaking already. And then um, like being to be put out on the floor. Uh, something in your bin that like literally has shattered, whether it be glass or like some form of like plastic item. That would be um, out of your control, like if that happened as the person was rolling it out onto the floor, right? Well, something like that wouldn't be like bad, like you wouldn't get in trouble for that, or like if it was somebody's fault, like putting it out. Like, I mean, associate, but- it very much so dependent on who was putting out your bin yeah. because something, like I said earlier, like the pages of a book being yellow, 
you never knew when the pages were considered too yeah. yellow because I mean to me even if the pages are extremely yellow you can still read the book who cares why would that be an binding, issue it should be fine. but yeah, especially if it's a cool vintage, vintage book I mean are we, suckers for that we yeah. had a coworker who would come back and bring back all these slightly yellowed books and he he, yeah and he would be like next time i'm gonna fail your cart if you put any more in these because somebody across from me puts out everything that's like dirty and disgusting and only has four large objects in his bin which is not allowed okay so let's the bin thing is really really stressful but i do want to put a pin in defective we're going to come back to that because i you've told dustin some stories that make him tear up over oh i know yeah uh so let's talk about the bins because this is like something that clearly is like i don't know it's at the center of everything you do every day on this job and it seems like to be it's a wild source of anxiety like i'm feeling anxious just sitting here talking to you about it so okay you've made it pretty clear that there's sort of like i don't know like a quota a productivity target you have to hit how many how many of these would you have to get out every day? Technically, we would have to get out at least 10 a day. But even somebody like me or Ryan, who typically excel in any of the jobs we have, were unable to meet that goal, especially because it was very dependent on how many wares we were getting a day. And even if you got a ton of wares through the door, that doesn't mean that they're not trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're able-bodied people, and this place is known for hiring people who have disabilities, so I just feel like it was a really unfair quota for people to reach. Um, And then they also had another thing put in place called an incentive where you could get a small bonus if you were continually making this amount every day. So at the beginning, that was 12 bins, and then they actually upped it to 14, which I can't even fathom because there has not been a single day where I have ever even gotten close to 14. And we oftentimes actually would resort to faking the tags and signing each other's tags so it would look like we were getting 10 bins a day because no matter how hard you would work, Sundays you just couldn't even get seven. Yeah, and the thing with that is the the, the reason of be- not being able to get those, um, meeting those goals was like Dylan had said about not getting wares that were even remotely good enough or just not getting them at all. Um, we were also forced um, to do everybody else's job. Like before, we were before I was a DSR. I was a wear sorter, and uh, some of them would just be gone with the wind, and our second sort would be too full for both stations for the wares. And somebody has to deal with that, or else it's just going to overflow, and you can't get rid of your basically what they would consider trash you know um you you need to get all the good stuff out and you can't get the bad you can't sort through the bad without or sort through the good without sorting through the bad so it made it hard even meeting that we were also told that we had to pick up the production associate slack and take out a lot of the bins for each other or just rearrange the the floor yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a few, but I, last year, I want to say, I I did a little bit of an episode about this company, not an episode, really like a segment, and I read all of their Glassdoor reviews, which I don't know if you two know what Glassdoor is. What's oh, yeah. don't worry, I have read them okay. as well. Yeah. And so, probably left one. They were, I mean, like, they were horrible, and like, extremely horrible, whereas like, I've worked 
I, I'm specifically thinking of one company I worked for that is really, really terrible. And their score was still higher because they were at least having the wherewithal to bully their employees into writing fake positive reviews. Yeah. Whereas the company where the two of you worked was like, we don't even give a fuck. We're like, we're just, we don't care. And I mean, they were, they were terrible. Nothing about them surprised me, especially after hearing from the two of you. So you have to get 10 bins, 12, 14, whatever. If you don't get the 10, which doesn't give you like an incentive, what happens it, to you? It would uh, run the possibility of losing your position there and whether you even just lose your job altogether, but you would just lose that position um, or just be targeted by management, really. That's exactly what we were the whole I've, time we were there. I've never seen somebody actually truly lose their position. I don't know if that's a real thing or they just held that over our heads all the time, which is really messed up. But yeah, you would get oftentimes targeted by management. Um, like, for example, if you would be talking while you were working and they felt that you weren't being productive enough, you definitely would have somebody come up to you and complain about you simply talking, even though there was never a stated rule about talking to your coworkers. Um, so that that was not fun. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I hear about a job where you get in trouble for talking to your coworkers, I mean, I've I've had that job too. I'm like, that's a shitty place to work. Like trying to control human behavior of adults as if they're children is always it's always a hallmark of a toxic work comp oh. work culture that treats you all as I don't know, just like automatons and not actual people. Well, speaking of treating us like children, we would have to write on our timesheet because they would give us a timesheet. Um, when we would leave to go and use the bathroom, we would have to document Ugh. that specific amount of time so it wouldn't count towards the amount of time spent sorting in yeah. our uh, bins per hour. Yeah, with bathroom breaks, it would be break like 15s or 30s where it would just even be like, like I, how I said earlier, we would be taken away from our, our stations uh, where we would be sorting to do production associates jobs or to do whatever busy work our manager would make us do instead of herself or anybody else i mean i slowly started hating being a wear sorter to the point where i would be glad when they would pull me to do something else just because being a wear sorter was so stressful because i never knew if i was going to reach 10 a day and i was always really anxious that they would find out that we were faking our tags so i would be happy to go and do something like hang clothes on a rack for the day because i wouldn't have to worry about that quota yeah, no, it sounds really, really stressful. And, like, how big are these bins? Um, I'd say uh, they're probably, like, I don't know, probably, like, two feet by one and a half. And then it's 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 pretty deep. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, it, I'd say, again, like, another two feet deep. Um, and, and you were saying that there were a lot of rules. Like, you couldn't just fill it up with large objects. If you yeah. did, it would have you would have to have it um, full from the bottom up. So, of course, you would have to have, like, a bunch of, like, your smaller items. And you can have, like, a couple of books and things like that to fill it up. Um, and then any of your larger items, you could have, like, I'd say it was probably, like, two or three large items per bin. Maybe even less, depending on how big. But, like, they would have to be at the top. You cannot have them start at the bottom. Everything else has to be smaller at the bottom, midway, medium size, and then everything large would have to be at the top um, just because you cannot have, like, it 
taking the bulk at the bottom and making it seem like it's like a false yeah it's just so ridiculous i mean just i'm sorry but this is like you're all being treated like children all the well, time it's like upsetting me <laughs> you were spending more energy playing the stacking olympics like how can i stack these objects on top of each other to make it seem like it's fuller than it is than actually getting stuff out because it I mean, like I said, it really depends on who was putting your bin out. And God forbid the manager put your bin out because oh, and, you yeah. would be held at, with some high scrutiny there. Yeah. Yeah, it seems, It seems. I mean, it's unfair in like a, a wide variety of ways, as jobs like this always are, right? Uh, it's unfair because you can't control what's coming your way. If it was a slow day and no one dropped anything off... Which could happen, right? Like if it was oh, it more what? times than not. Then what would happen on those so days? Basically, she Competition. she had this ordering thing. She would do her order, which would be like she would order raw textile for people who are um, doing the like clothes sorting, which honestly didn't need to happen. We got more clothes than we did wears. The yeah, there was the always a and ton of clothes she would being do donated. Would just order textile, and it would uh, really take up too much space in the back area like in the back back area where we weren't sorting where it would just literally be gay lords of raw wares or whatever raw textile and things um it just like took up too much space so she would order um and then we would get this like we would have a really slow day so we would be going through the um raw gay lords and the thing with that is like if the dsrs aren't getting the um bins for the um the, the wear sorters fast enough it would be a game like it would be a competition for the wear sorters to run back quickly to get a good bin or to go through a good raw wares um gaylord and the thing with that is they would just kind of leave it in disarray and, and our manager would get mad if we didn't go through it all which would be a waste of time because of the at the bottom of the barrel is just garbage. And once again, this is supposed to be an environment for people who aren't able to work other jobs. And yet we were expected to lift really heavy items, sort through broken glass, compete with each other essentially. Like how can you literally grab things out of a tall gay lord and sometimes have to jump in and that's not something that everybody can do or should be expected to do yeah. especially at a place that promises something else yeah and then with um it then out of the next day it could be a very heavy day so we she would while we would get this uh truck and i would unload the truck everything would be in the back um, I would go through it, try to unload these gay lords as fast as possible because we reuse them for our second sort once they're all unloaded. Um, and so if we're having a really busy day the next day, our back room is full of raw textile that we just got from, I don't know, DC or something. Um, and then our stuff that would be coming in from donations because the next day, of course, we're, we're thirsty for donations. Um, then it's just dropped off all the way to the street like and and then we have no say as the dsrs or as the sorters to say like hey we have no room for this can we stop taking these donations we need to get like approval from management even though we have no room to walk to clarify they can send their excess donations to other stores in the chain so um the stuff could be shipped off but it just never was a really great sit uh system because like he was saying um, we would have a ton of donations one day, so management would decide that we wouldn't need to order any raw textile or wares for the following 
week especially wares and then we would be dry <laughs> so where were these raw textiles and wares meaning unsorted right uh, well they would they would kind of be sorted from like these like bigger like like much larger donation centers but not sorted to the point because you would still get garbage in them they would just put like basically when we would have an excess of donations from our door we would put um everything in these gaylords and write raw wares or raw textile on them so we could get them out of the way and not like if we didn't have room to put them for people to sort through like we say had only like two sorters that day of course they're not going to be able to go through all of it at that time whereas like if we had the four like on a full shift you know what i mean so we would put them in these gaylords and then get them ready to go on the truck to ship to other like don't set to other stores so um, that's basically what they would do. They would ship them, like if they had an excess that week, they would ship them to other stores, which would be like us that week or something like that. And it's really interesting because I think this is something that the average person would not know. I think that they think when they're dropping stuff off at one of these stores that it's going to be sold back to someone in the community. But the reality is it's being moved around all over the place to kind of maximize sales. Yeah, it can really well, reach anywhere in yeah. the Keystone or even other states genuinely. Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Close Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist, an upcycler, and a fashion designer. But Gabriella Antonis is also a feminist micro-business with radical ideals. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the world needs. If you find yourself in New Orleans, Louisiana, you may buy her ready-to-wear upcycle garments in person at the store Slow Down at 2855 Magazine Street. Slowdown Nola only sells vintage and slow fashion from local designers, and Gabriella's garments are guaranteed to be in stock in person, but they also have a website so you may support this woman-owned and run business from wherever you are. If you're interested in Gabriella making a one-of-a-kind garment for you, DM her on Instagram at slowfashiongabriella to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram at slowfashiongabriella. That's Gabriella with one L. 
Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at HighEnergyVintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single-stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at Vagabond Vintage DTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. Another thing is, is that even if something goes out on the floor, if it's not sold usually within a week or two, based on the color of the tag, we then have to go out and take it off the floor and throw it into second sort, and then it will no longer be sold at the store, and it is typically sent off to the outlet center as far as I know, but I also know that there's a bunch of textile ways um, with this company, and this goes for both wares and textile. If it's not sold, we take it off the floor in like two weeks yeah or less sometimes less so i mean if the shelves are 
or the racks are really full, we'll just take stuff off. Yeah, that's another thing. She'll take us away from our task to just go throw stuff in these carts to take to second sort in the back. I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I'm sure that the two of you see a lot of this rhetoric on social media that is like, thanks to pe- like thrifting being more popular, there's nothing good left to buy. There were like, there's this implication that like the stores are running out of stuff because people are going shopping there or reselling. But the reality is it's like a steady flow of well, stuff. And yeah. the majority of our customers, I would say, aren't resellers. There are people who would come every day, sometimes multiple times a day, who we know are resellers. But for the most part, it's just regular people shopping. Yeah, and a lot of them are regulars, but they just really like to frequent frequent the store because they know, I mean, where we were working, it was like a pretty upper upper class area. A lot yeah. of people had really decent things, whether it be clothes or just wares in general. So um, obviously, it's, it's a spot to be. Um, and a lot of these people were just kind of hoarders they would just like t- buy like a cart full of stuff and just like throw it in their van and it would just stay there really like it wasn't like all of them were reselling genuinely yeah i mean the reality is i have a lot of friends who are resellers right there are a lot of people who've been on this show who are part of the community who are resellers and very few of them go to thrift stores especially the one where the two of you worked to buy stuff for resale they go to the bins for sure which i am like good for you because you know what that stuff's all going off to the landfill or overseas and that's hard to sort through i think it's almost a talent to sort through that stuff and find something that you can repair and just the idea that you would be stuff that had been there for a week or two weeks or way less than either of those time frames would be pulled and sent off to the bins because you needed room for new stuff that came in is just one more indicator of like there's so much stuff. And I know, you know, you were obviously being trained to be really picky with the wares. They're super picky about the clothing too. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything, even if it had like one like hole, um, like, you know, you can a get away with. Stain, really. A single stain, really. single stain, yeah. And I, I, I'm somebody who is, I don't, if it's a really cool print or just a really cool t-shirt or hoodie or anything, like I will buy it because I can still make it work, you know, like. I don't care if it has a stain, it can come out with some shout, or even if you just rock it with the stain or the hole. It doesn't really matter. It's it shows its its history and just it's where it's it's awesome. And Plus we would get like a lot of vintage t shirts that if they were just given a good wash, they would be great, but because we don't have that ability, uh, we would so just sad. second sort them, which is why the bins you often mm-hmm. will find a lot of those. It's true. What's the thing that you were forced to send off for second sort that just like broke your heart? Um, one time I found this vintage Slayer t-shirt and it was just, it was really disgusting, but I know that if it had a good soak and then wash, it would have been perfectly fine. But it made me so sad because I knew I was never going to see that t-shirt again. Yeah, I know that one really broke Dustin's heart. Yeah, that one hurt me because I I was just like, I mean, you could have easily just... I still think about it. Yeah, you could have easily just like figured out a way to get away with that one, really. What about you? Anything you've encountered that you had to reject that made you sad? It was was honestly just like a lot of like really cool animal, like like animal figures because like if we... We weren't allowed to keep them on our desks because it's property of the the store that we were um, working despite at. Despite it being donated so, for free, yeah, it just exactly. Despite it being for free, given like given to them for free, so we weren't able to just like have them chill there until we found 
um, like a, a set to connect it with or um, just anything to because we weren't also allowed to put anything out for lower than a dollar or 99 cents. So like it wouldn't be able to be like 50 cents or 25. Like apparently there's no value in that. So let's talk about the pricing because this is another one when when people are getting riled up on social media and want to scapegoat someone that resellers or new secondhand shoppers are scapegoated for rising thrift store costs. Now I've already like debunked that here on the show. Um, it has nothing to do with inventory availability, which I know you two will agree with. There's yes. ample stuff yeah, out there. So there's not a shortage. So who determines the prices of the things as they go on the floor? Did you do that I mean, as where? Yes, yeah. that was our job. However, we were continually pushed by management to raise the prices and it wasn't for the sake of resellers. I, you, overall, we were told to just up the prices in general. And there were times where if you would price something um, and whoever was putting out your cart felt that that price was too low, they would bring it back to you and have you price it higher. And are you giving guidelines around it? I mean, we were, it was literally two laminated papers of just like, it would be like, it would say mugs. Yeah, it was very $1.99 to $2.99. Like it was very broad, like broad, like Dylan said broad. And it's like you as a person, as somebody who, who thrifts, you obviously would know like what you're willing to spend on something. Like that's kind of what I would base my pricing off of. I would just say hell to the, to the paper because like. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm not going to price something that's not even worth $5.99, you know, like, mm-hmm. to be $6.99 or more, you know? Right, like, right. So, and that's what they would force us to do. And it's just, like, disgusting because it's all all about profit, obviously, Plus, not about... It's not. it's not like we had a long period of time to ponder upon each item and yeah. it's worth, like, you have to slap that sticker on there. Real quick and, and throw it in yeah. the bin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whatever you felt in the moment, that's going to be the price. Yeah. Well, especially if you're being forced to work so fast. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I know for a fact uh, that they didn't pay you very well for this job or Mm-mm. anyone else, I mean, right? But this is like kind of to do it well is highly skilled work. It yeah, is. Yeah. The only way you got paid a decent amount was if you met those incentives. So if you worked yourself like a dog. Not to mention, like, they wanted you to be knowledgeable on the items because you want to know what is considered valuable so you can price it higher but how do they expect us to just know these things really i would just kind of like, like regular and, off the street people yeah, i would just kind of stand around and like google it like if it looked like pretty old and like something that like looked valuable which um kind of jumping to something but like they would make us uh keep anything valuable and put it off to the side like we for the Website. Online website. Yeah, yeah yep. it, would be, it would be like anything that was instrument related, like anything that was One like time from like they Japan. took those littlest pet shops and I thought I was going to lose it would my even, mind. It even went down to Legos. Like you weren't even allowed to put a bag of Legos out just because they would take send it to the shop and it would be auctioned. It wouldn't be like a regular sale on the shelf. And we are the individual stores also had a goal for the amount that you were supposed to be selling online. So it's not like we really had a choice. Plus, even if you wanted to put something out on the floor, if somebody else noticed it, they would go and put it over in that section in the back. So you had a goal of how much you had to pull aside to send to the website? Yeah, Yeah. and I'm pretty sure that the company also offered incentives (laughs) to, I think, maybe the store manager um something it was um, definitely for that. yeah for the amount that was sold on the website i mean that's really interesting to me too because i will say as a longtime thrifter i have seen specifically with that chain 
the amount of, I mean, I hate to say valuable because value is all in the eye of the beholder, but of, I guess, valuable is the only adjective I could think of right now. That kind of product no longer being found in those stores, unless, like, for me, just as a regular thrifter, I would be like, someone missed this in sort. Like, I could tell. Um, Whereas I could go to other, especially when we were living out in Lancaster County, go to all the other Mennonite-owned thrift stores, and you would find all the coolest shit all the time, right? But, like, I wasn't seeing that at that place, right? Or they didn't want you to find it in the store. They they could price it for the same, for a high price to put it in the store, but they would rather auction it off on the website. they can get a much more, like, value off of that, you know, because they're just, everybody's competing online. It's Mm -hmm. And it's time, so, like, they'll do these drops, like, live drops out of nowhere, and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, like, sorry. Yeah, it's so interesting. So once again, this is a company that is technically a nonprofit, but well, it's well. I know. I mean, we've <laughs> debunked that quite a bit here. But I, this company portrait is technically by law a nonprofit, but operates just like a big corporation. Yeah. Uh, really does prioritize profits over people in many different regards all the time, and does this a lot of sort of like charity washing to its own business. So. Another thing that I've heard a lot about this company specifically, and not from the two of you, actually from other people who work in the reselling space who have heard stories or had interactions, is that this company is obsessed with loss prevention. As oh, in, oh yeah, God. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were more even cameras if you... on the employees than there were on the floor. I swear to you. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And there was definitely more concern about employees stealing than customers stealing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I've heard stories about like, like they. I mean, listen. I worked for a really evil retail company for a long time when you were little, Dylan, and every cut. Co- Every employee there was just a potential criminal in the eyes of corporate, right? But at least you could say, like, okay, well, this company, like, actually paid to have this product made. Everything in the store they paid for, right? So, like, if someone steals it, like, they lose money. But when we're talking about a thrift store, they got their inventory for free. Well, if you were to buy something on the clock so even if you're on your 15 minute break that doesn't count you'd have to be on your 30 because you'd have to be clocked out if you bought something you would be immediately fired wow it's considered stealing in their eyes even, even though, though you, you paid for money, it yep. it's, it's, even it's if you're on your break for them yeah even if you're on your break um if it's not a clocked out break you cannot buy something that makes yeah. no sense there to was me. also for for workers um there also had to be we tried to get around it as much as possible just because like there were a lot of things that, like, we knew people would probably buy, but at the same time, it was really, like, something that, like, we really had an eye for, you know? So we would, like, really hope that it would still be there. So something that we would do was, like, if we saw that um, there was something coming in and we were friends with this sort, we'd just be like, hey, can you, like, put this off to the side? And whenever I'm going on break, would you mind putting, like, getting somebody to actually put it out? Which so, wasn't allowed, but yeah, we did but it anyway. we did it anyway because... <laughs> We weren't allowed to just buy these things. And we just, like we said, be considered stealing. And for everyone concerned, most likely the stuff that we had our eyes on was not something that you would want anyway. So (laughs) I know people get weird about the thought of employees buying things as well, but. It's a very niche thing that nobody else would really Also, real talk. What's the incentive to work at a thrift store? 
where you're going to be paid very little and worked like a dog. If you exactly. can't at least get first Something. dibs on cool yeah. shit. Which yeah. we still didn't because we, we didn't. had to wait. Yeah, or we had to wait or it would be taken from us. Literally be taken from us to be given to a stupid shop. It's so interesting because that's another thing that I'll hear. I mean, every time I post about secondhand shopping, the value of living a secondhand first lifestyle, it's like the same predictable arguments come my way. The same different trolls, same arguments come, right? That there's nothing left in thrift stores because of resellers. There's nothing left in thrift stores because people who have money to shop somewhere else are thrifting, as if that, that's not the point of secondhand first lifestyle yeah. anyway. And the third thing that I always hear is, well, it's because the people who work there take all the good oh, stuff. Also, we would be like looked at disgustingly if we were still in our work uniform shopping off the clock. I mean, do you think that every employee here is like a hipster? Do <laughs> like, exactly. you really think that everyone here is like, ooh, I love this 1970s vase. Like, no. Like, most people there are like, oh, great, a book. Or, or <laughs> like, like some, Like, we had a coworker that was just obsessed with DVDs. Like, good for him. But, like, a lot of these people don't like what you like. Like, they're not going to jump on that... that 90s Nike hoodie, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's just other cool things. Yeah, I mean, that's like a really valuable thing to point out, too. I do think that people think that the the back house of all of these different thrift stores is just filled with hipsters. Like, this isn't a coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) And and also, like, some of the stuff, like, that we weren't allowed to put out, like, like we said we had to, like, kind of throw in second sort, or, like, we had, um, like, any jewelry, um, there we weren't allowed to put out. Um, that had even, to go on the website. It had, to, it had to go on the website. So what they would do was they'd force you to ruin this jewelry because it would just be thrown into, once again, a cardboard box with other jewelry. So it's just tangled, like whether it be necklaces, chains, or just like anything. Like they don't even know the value of it at that point. And you would even know that it's like going to turn your finger green, you know? But even still, you're unable to put it out or make it like in the like glass casing that they have in the front it just had to be thrown i have noticed that that chain specifically has far less jewelry than they had when i was a well, teenager yeah and the jewelry now that they, they do sell have, like this weird cheap jewelry yeah, that they like get from brand. another company okay yeah. so that's interesting too because something that i was not always the case with this place but that i saw slowly creeping into a bigger and bigger thing is that they sell a lot of brand new stuff yeah oh yeah oh, i mean the whole like, checkout area is stuff that you could basically buy at the dollar tree yeah, why do is. they have that i'm not sure and i to my knowledge they spend a lot of money on these goods as well and it's stuff that we will get through the door you know, and it's still in brand new condition. You know it's what so I mean? odd. Did, did, when you were ringing people up, did you find a lot of people purchasing that stuff? Um, honestly, yeah, yeah. Especially because it was at the checkout location, it was convenient for a lot of people, yeah. and it would be really random stuff. Like it would be like tongs. Tongs. I was just about to always say tongs. tongs. Random. Always yeah, tongs. random kitchen stuff. Like really Ice bad skincare trays. items. Like really Washed bad offs. makeup wipes and chips people love the chips well, they, they pop were... open a bag before they even got to <laughs> yeah. the check out sometimes <laughs> if you're having like a big day of thrifting you get really hungry along the way i try to bring Something. my own snacks but yeah. um you know i don't know if your location did this but you know how a lot of locations in this chain now get a lot of stuff from target that's like brand new did you guys ever get that um i haven't seen us get a lot of stuff from target or like zara like some other chains do 
Um, however, I do know that's a thing at other stores. Yeah, I mean, when we went to that, remember we went to that Salvation Army in yeah. Lancaster, and it was like two aisles of just Zara. I mean, yeah, even in it's the awful. one that we go to in that same area where we worked, um, they had a ton of Zara, like a lot of Zara, Which, and they up-priced it. Oh, like, totally. It was like $100 for this one Zara jacket. And it was all like extremely flawed. Yeah, like, like yeah. it was already pilling or something, you know of. what I mean? And it, what's interesting to me is that I know that that stuff at both the Salvation Army in Lancaster and the one in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, that's what we're talking about, uh, that was being shipped in from somewhere because there are no Zaras in Central PA that I'm yeah. aware of, right? I know no. of. I, I right. Even. I mean, and just to think about how many Salvation Army stores there are in the United States, for all of them to have enough Zara overstock markdowns, whatever it was, to fill two, three, four aisles. Yeah. And it's gross. It's, it's gross. It's really gross. Because I said two aisles that Lancaster, but that was in the women's section. You go over the men's, there were like two more aisles. Yeah, there was like four sections for the men's. It was insane. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Right. I mean, for one, that's taking up space that could be for like quality secondhand goods, right? And two, it's Zara and these other fast fashion chains using thrift stores as a dumping ground as well. Yeah. And I mean, maybe these thrift stores are paying a little bit for that stuff or maybe they're getting it for free, but it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. But even the thing with that is that like we would go like if on a good month, maybe we'll go like twice or three times you know, to a thrift store and we'll see the same like things of Zara like every time we would go. Know, yeah. It's, it's always like, ripped apart. I mean, I don't know anybody who would buy any of that, especially because it's being sold at retail price. Like yeah, sixty dollars mm-hmm. and down. higher for things that the threads are all coming loose, there's stains, there's Already holes, pilling. it's paper thin. Like it's it's awful. And it I mean, it's still in the thrift store. It's not even in the Zara. Yeah, I know. I The Zara one is really interesting to me because when we would go to the Salvation Army in Lancaster, I would see like 20, 30, 40 of the same dress or pair of pants or whatever. And some of it I kind of recognized from Zara from like previous years. And <laughs> I haven't bought anything from Zara in a really long time. But as I talk about on the show a lot, like back when I was at my last job before the pandemic, I was thoroughly depressed all the time and I would constantly scroll Zara to make myself I don't know, distracted. And I specifically remember this pair of pants that I ordered and that I couldn't even get my foot in the leg hole because they were so poorly made. And Dustin was like, well, maybe they're children's. And I was like, no, they're adults. But then I was sort of like gaslighting myself and I went back on the site and like, no, they were adult pants. I remember seeing those pants that had been from Zara at this point, like three, four years ago at that Salvation Army, like 20 pairs of them that they you cannot get your foot through the leg hole. They were like, remember me, Amanda? Yeah, it was really uh, tra- traumatizing, very triggering of a <laughs> dark time in my life in which I wondered if my feet were too big for pants. <laughs> <laughs> Felt that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I have noticed like more and more of that and in the place that the two of you worked as well, specifically with Target stuff, like in the wear section. I would just see so much like stuff still in the package with the Target price tags on. Sometimes with the thrift store price tag being higher. higher. Yeah, yeah, that was um, something that we were told to do as well. Um, just uh, like like we said earlier, like just up price, up price, up price. Even if we were told to take, like try our best to take off the old price tags of things, especially if they're brand new, because we would get a lot of brand new in the box stuff. Um, and a lot of it would be like 
just actual donations, not like from like raw wares, you know. So like people are just overbuying a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like and not using it. And we were told to scrape off the price tags and up price them, even though it's retail pricing so it's already up priced right and once again it's not because there was a shortage of stuff to put out there that you were like oh we need to mark this up because we have too little to sell it's because our manager told us (laughs) greed right Yeah. yeah right because of greed right so okay let's talk about what it's like to work there because as you as i mentioned i read the glass door reviews nothing surprised me honestly it reminded me so much of the horrible retail job i worked when dylan was was a baby that I was like, oh, good to know that this place is like an asshole convention as well. Um, Were you paid a lot of money for this job? No. What did you start at, Not even close. I started at $9.75, I believe, for a cashier. And the highest I was ever paid there was $11. I started at um, 10 as a wear sorter. And then once I finally was able to get my promised position in my interview... Um, I was up to eleven twenty-five to do pretty hard labor um, in the summer months and with very, very minimal air conditioning in a very humid state. Which I was told that they thought that I was incapable of doing the DSR position. Even though that's um, what you did. Yeah, even though I, ha- I did it, I just didn't have the title or the pay. Um, and I also believe this was because all of our DSRs were male. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were like, no, you can't. Why would you want to do that, Dylan? You can't do that. Like yeah. anything for the, um, the $1 raise. Yeah. Right? It's, it was um, stupid. Also, um, not really with our pay, but our PPE that we were given was very minimal as well. Mm, that's a really important call out because like the two of you worked there. I mean, it's still the pandemic, but like when it was like even scarier when we didn't have vaccines even even masks really like there was a pretty big shortage on that even still i feel like yeah they for a while weren't giving us masks we would have to bring our own yeah the one thing that they would supply pretty readily is the gloves that they would make us wear but um because the price tag stickers would stick so badly to the gloves as well as the tape um, we would oftentimes cut holes in the fingers of the gloves to make it easier so we could be more efficient in our work, which of course kind of defeats the purpose of the gloves, which are supposed to protect us from stuff like broken glass, among other things. Um, anything yeah. to meet that quota. Yeah, but they were all about the productivity more than the safety and efficiency of everything. So, you know, there goes that. Um, and the gloves that they gave us were just like those fabric rubber dipped gloves. They weren't even really thick or durable to get like, I was still cut, getting cut from oh. glass and broken glass that I had to deal with in these Gaylords of raw wares. Cause people, when they would, um, get them shipped to us, they would just kind of throw these boxes of things in and not really realize, yeah, Hey man, there's a, uh, whole set of glass in here or something you know i mean we would go through gloves really really fast there was a lot of waste with the gloves because once again once the gloves were done you threw them away yeah yeah i mean it's shock i guess it doesn't shock me but like once again this thrift corporation is not in the business of environmentalism right this is not about sustainability at all and so of course they're not giving you reusable cloths to clean things. Of course, like the same thing, they're not giving you reclusable, reusable gloves. Of course, they're not cleaning these things on site, like in a washing machine. Yeah. 
If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st. Evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicwear, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicwear in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicwear recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnic wear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. 
Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. Is there a little bit of Italy in your soul? Are you an enthusiast of pre-loved decor and accessories? Bring vintage Italian style and history into your space with the pewter thimble. We source useful and beautiful things and mend them where needed. We also find gorgeous illustrations and make them print-worthy. Tarot cards, tea towels, and hand-picked treasures available to you from the comfort of your own home. Responsibly sourced from across Rome, lovingly renewed by fairly paid artists and artisans, with something for every budget. Discover more at thepewterthimble.com. There are a lot of myths, especially for people who are not avid thrift shoppers, that you've actually helped me debunk a little bit. Like one, this is like a really obvious one, but sometimes people are shocked to hear this. You do not wash the clothing before you sell it. No. no. Right? Um, you, do, you don't know why it smells like that. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, we don't know I why know. it has that smell. It's so odd, but it's it. universal, right? You don't spray it with anything. The only like, thing nothing. we spray, um, like people might think, like some thrift stores might spray their like plush, like stuffed animals, but... We don't no. even do that. Um, it's literally only certain um, pillows that aren't deemed plushies um, in uh, couches or chairs, but we weren't even putting out many couches at our location because we had no room, you know? So. Well, I have noticed that that chain specifically almost never has furniture anymore. I no. think it's also because when you get furniture in, you have to spray it with this solution for bed bugs and... We were told that we couldn't take big items like that because of the amount of that solution that it would use. So I'm guessing that this company just doesn't really want to pay for us to have more of that because that, to my knowledge, was the biggest reason. Well, and this company is just known for cutting corners. So if they can cut costs, obviously they will. I mean, it bums me out because I think probably a lot of totally decent furniture ends up in the landfill then or yeah. abandoned and places of, and then goes to the landfill. Yeah. And a lot of these furnitures, that, like furniture pieces that we were like refusing was like nice vintage pieces, you know, like whether it be chairs or small love seats that we were just kind of forced to throw out, you know. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of stuff just like is ending up being trashed because they won't accept it. Like, I know they won't accept televisions either. And it's, there's a certain like kind that like will take like plasma or like <laughs> like or nice nice TVs. TVs. But like, I mean, Smart like TVs, we would if you will. we would kind of get a good amount of those. Like, there was a day where we actually got like three TVs, which was really surprising. But like. Who is donating their plasma TVs that often? You know what I mean? Well, like, I hope they aren't. I hope that people could use a TV for more than a couple years. Well, but we exactly, know that people are terrible you know? sometimes about that kind of stuff. Um, Another thing is like holiday decorations. Did you guys see a lot of those? Oh, my gosh. Oh my I mean, God. there was a pack away specifically for Christmas decorations. We Halloween. would do that with Halloween and other holidays. But for the most part... There was such an extreme amount of Christmas stuff to the point where like pretty much every day we would receive Christmas stuff and it was really, really irritating when half the wares you got that day were all 
Christmas decorations. Well, like we, triggered thinking about it. So they it. don't count then towards something, your bin. Well, no, we can't put them out until well, the Christmas season. There was season. something that we we if we got. I thought what it, what was it? Uh, four boxes of pack away gave you an equation to a bin. Yeah, like you have to have like a ton of but Christmas stuff for them to count that it. That day, you have to get four boxes of Christmas pack away. So Not you're wasting uh, your time. Yeah. You have to ask a manager to sign off on it, and they're always hard to find. So. Yeah, yeah, like oh, and something else you had to ask your manager for was gloves, um, tape, uh, anything of that sort. Because guess they locked it all up. Of course they for did. whatever reason, so that did. would uh, inhibit your productivity for that day as well, and it would take like seven times to ask the same manager for said glove or uh, tape. I mean, in my experience, a company that treats you like children or criminals or both uh, is always rotten. It's like they're showing who they really are, which are like rotten, distrustful people. Yeah. You know, um, who would do who would do nefarious things if given the chance. Like that's basically what they're revealing who they are. Yeah, and I mean like they were doing some nefarious things with with those chances, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, do you have anything to say to people about like one, we'll start with this. What gets donated and how they could do better as people who are um, donating. Please. please go through yeah. your garbage. Do not just donate your <laughs> um, torn up papers. There was literally a time where I had to help this woman whose first language was not English, um, which is okay, but she just literally brought boxes and boxes of paperwork. <laughs> and it all just got thrown out. But, like, please don't Wait, do that. throw it out. Get it shredded. Dustin bought a bag, like a computer bag, at one of these stores. And it was filled with, like, like I think Dustin could have stolen this guy's identity. His, like, Mercedes-Benz payment, like, lease oh bills God. in there. I, a bunch of medical bills. Please insane. check for personal belongings. And please don't donate your boxes of shit that has mold spores. Um, it's very hard for us to breathe to begin with in the back. Um, let alone when you have literal mold in your donations and rat poop and pee everywhere. If, if you can take the time to wash your donations before sending them in, that would be amazing. Like if it's textile, please throw it through the washer. Um, if you have super dusty dishes or something that you want to donate, please just take the time to rinse them off because there are times where it's so busy and we feel so rushed that even if it's good stuff, if it's super dusty, we do not have time to clean it and it's not going to go out on the floor. I mean, I think that's a really good call out too. I think that, I mean, like a lot of things I talk about on Clothes Horse, people forget that there are people involved, right? Like, much like we always talk about how, like, you know, your clothes aren't made by robots. They're literally made by other humans. When you drop stuff off at a thrift store or in a donation bin, it's not going to be sorted by machines or robots. It's yeah. sorted by human beings. And disgusting stuff that you wouldn't want to find as a surprise in a box or a bag, neither does anyone else. I mean, I found quite the surprise in a vase that I still had to put out. Was... I mean, if you wouldn't buy it, don't donate it. Yeah, that's the that's the golden rule. I mean, I if go If you wouldn't buy even that. touch it, don't donate it. Yeah, if you think that it should go in the garbage, it probably should. It just takes up too much of our time. 
um, to just kind of go and sort it and then to just throw it away. Like, it's all just garbage. Yeah, well, it's not a garbage bin. Yeah, we're not, not a landfill. I mean, it goes to it eventually, but we're not the landfill. We're and just I think, the middleman. I think that both of us have also been injured from people donating, like, broken glass I, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I've been cut multiple times with broken glass and not really given proper... With gloves cleaning. on. Yeah. With gloves on. Fingers uncut. Yeah. It really forced me to go to Walmart to get five, like, packs of just gloves for myself. Like, just thicker gloves to just go through, you know? Because, like, I can't trust these gloves. And even doubling up wasn't enough. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. Like, don't throw this stuff in bags and boxes like it's trash unless you think it is trash. In that case, put it in the trash. But if it's legit something that you think has value to other people, pack it up as if you were packing it to move yourself. Exactly. Just pack it safely and don't put everything together. Your clothes, wares, and glass items don't need to go together. Yeah. It takes no time to just grab some recycled paper or even paper towels if you want to use paper towels or something, anything, newspaper. Wrap it up, please. Your clothes don't need to be the the wrapper for your glass and things yeah, like that. Yeah, separating those two is really great. It's it a just really huge help. Gives us a lot of time to not do that. Um, but yeah, if you if you wouldn't want to touch some of this stuff, why why would you donate it? Also, another thing, if an employee working or like a uh, a DSR is working on on that day um, and telling you that this is something that we cannot accept because it is uh, hazardous or uh, we just really cannot put it out as something that will go to the garbage. So could you please just do that on your own? Please do that. Uh, do not just put it in the dock behind uh, the store or just leave it, pull around and leave it after we walk in. It is very rude and it just takes more time for us to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with this item. If your child had explosive diarrhea in their underwear, please do not donate them <laughs> because I have come across so many poopy underwear and I'm not just talking about skid marks. Like it's, they've been through something. Just throw it away. Like, yeah. I don't know if like people feel better that they're just donating it to a thrift store, but guess what? It's going to go in the trash when you could have just thrown it in the trash. And you're home. looping someone else into this. I and know. possibly putting people at health risk. Exactly. Well, yeah, and we're already put at such a risk whenever we're dealing with... I mean, I, I literally pulled out a dead mouse out of something that uh. I then also put onto the floor. So whoever bought that vase, I hope that you clean that one I mean, out. why would I want to go through some soiled Scooby-Doo underwear? <laughs> I knew they were Scooby-Doo. Sorry, That's what I it's either Scooby-Doo or Spider-Man, typically. <laughs> Sometimes Dora. I mean, yeah, once again, like, people sort this stuff and... Sorry, poopy underwear are garbage. Unless you want to try to clean them at home yourself, go for it. But, like, don't pass the problem on to someone else where it becomes a health risk. And it's just, it's like passing your trash on to someone else. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why people donate stuff that is so soiled. I mean, I get there might be some kind of misconception that we have washing machines or something. But even if we did, why would you donate stuff? Like, would you think another child should wear that? I mean, it's it's a hazmat situation. Yeah, yeah we do a, yeah. not get paid enough to deal with hazmat situations on top of having to clean the public bathrooms all the time. So. Yeah, and, 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 and like, just please... Just don't donate underwear to begin with unless they're in a brand new pack. It is really just not something that 
sells often. It honestly just gets thrown away anyway. Like it might go out onto the floor for a day, a couple days, but it's not something that gets bought. It just sits there. So just don't do that. Same with socks. Please do not donate the nastiest socks you yeah, can if your find. Socks were white do not and donate are now black. your husband's Hanes socks that he's worn for twenty years. Like they've had enough life, just throw them away. Yeah, not everything needs to be donated. If it looks like you're not gonna wear it, then somebody else probably won't either. I mean, I think that's a great call out. Like, ask yourself why you're donating this. If, if it's it makes because you feel better, it yeah. shouldn't. Yeah. But if you actually look at, like, it's about being thoughtful, right? Like. Does this item actually appear to be something that other people would find desirable and not just one person, but like a lot? Go for it. If it's something that you're donating because it's trash or because you are disgusted by or wouldn't use because of like the condition that it's in, don't donate it. If you are donating it because like you're in a different place in your life or it doesn't fit you anymore or you've just changed as a person, fine. Also, stop donating printers to thrift stores. A lot of them, like, just don't work, and it's really hard. And computers. Um, yeah, and computers. Uh, the, 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 the stuff that, like, I'm not a technology, like, I'm not really advanced in that, but, like, the stuff that's within it is really hard to, to recycle for us um, that work in these thrift stores. Uh, it's, it's in, in printers especially, like, the glass breaks so easy, uh, and I have that is one thing that cut me really bad, and I just I have PTSD from that. So please do not donate those. And the majority of the time, they don't even work. If you know it doesn't work, why would you donate it for somebody to buy for it to not work? That's just rude. Yeah, totally. And I would say most places at this point have like a technology donation center where like these things are actually like refurbished or harvested for parts or whatever. Go that route. Once again, like. I think that a lot of people use donation as just a means of getting rid of shit in a really efficient, fast way, just like throwing stuff in the trash. And ultimately, like being mindful and thoughtful about what's going to happen to the things you don't want anymore. You know what? It takes more effort than one one stop dumping. I mean, we would always say at some point, you're not donating because you're You're ditching yeah you're ditching like you don't get to like relish in the feelings of donating to needy people when you're donating trash well you're dumping trash the thing with a lot of these customers or donors within this uh company especially especially um they will ask for the notorious paper so that they can use it as a tax write-off. But the things uh, that they're can't donating... can't even really do anymore. Yeah, yeah. The, the things that you're donating don't even equal the $300 minimum. Honestly, it's all, like I said, garbage. Also, uh, you don't get to have a complex for donating things. Uh, I hate when people think that because they're donating anything, they're an amazing person. But really, it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, thank you, but you... you at most, here's a pat on the back. Yeah. You do not deserve and an award for donating something to a thrift store. Exactly. Because and we have come across a lot of donors who seem to have that kind of complex and then in turn think that we should treat them like God because yeah. they donated something. They're always something. wearing that specific outfit too, honestly. It's just, you know who you are. <laughs> I mean, one thing that didn't surprise me per se as a person who's worked a lot of retail but was still really disheartening to hear is how terrible donors as i guess you would call them people who are dropping off their stuff yeah. would treat the yeah. two of you and you know as a dsr uh like like being like that face for them like and i would like 
when we were really overrun when there would be nothing in the back like you can't like you can't see like the person that works beside you because it is all just gay lords that are full of raw wares because we have no room to bring these carts in even to just walk like it there's not even a foot distance of a walkway um and you're telling them we cannot accept any more donations and there's still a line of cars and they're already cussing you out but it's like this comes down to a matter of safety like we cannot even walk like if we had a, a drill like a fire how would we even efficiently and safely get out of there? I mean, there and are times where the at me. back room was so packed that it was very hard to move back there. And you'd you have to do a little scooch in between the yeah, gay Yeah, it was that small. Like, it would be like a six-inch opening. Like And, like, uh, the majority of people couldn't even walk through that. Like, it's it's unsafe. And for people to just expect that we should take their garbage, because that's exactly what it would be. Like, it's just unfathomable. Like, we can't even walk, and you expect me to say, okay, yeah, you know what, you're the exception, I'll take it. And there's still stuff sitting on the 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 concrete stoop that I still have to bring in, let alone the shit that you want to drop off or dump. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think this company itself is really terrible, but also people need to take responsibility for their behavior too. They, and they think that we're just being lazy when we say we can't accept these anymore. <laughs> it's it's literally, like I was- I, People if have I'm called there, us lazy yeah, before for if not I'm taking there, their stuff. I'm working 24 seven, I do not stop. You know, if I'm on shift, I don't stop. And like, that could just be me. But at the same time, it's what you have to do in that job. You cannot stop because you're, you're documented. You know what I mean? With what you do. So like- I other people are relying on me in that DSR position for their wares and their stuff. So I have to always keep working. Like I'm not being lazy. It's literally the fact that we have no room. We cannot continue to take this stuff. If you want, I can, I, and I would direct them to other stores or other places that will gladly take their, their things. Oh, well, I already just drove all this way. What's another two minutes out of the way? That's not good for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like working retail to me. Um, well, <laughs> do you two have anything else to add that you would like people to know or to think about before they pack up that trash bag full of their unwanted things? Um, I would just say it is completely possible to overconsume at the thrift store. Um, mm-hmm. don't keep doing the cycle where you buy a bunch of stuff and then you redonate it a month later. That isn't helping anything you're just giving giving it right back to the source and it's not going where you think it's not going to a good cause the cause with that company is never good okay well thank you to so much yeah yeah thank you again to dylan and ryan for taking the time to share their stories and also for being all around great guests I know I'm a little biased here, but wasn't that great? (laughs) If you've worked in the thrift industry and want to talk about it, please reach out to me. The more we share our personal stories, the more we educate other people around us and open their eyes and change their way of thinking. Stuff comes in and out of our lives. Our circumstances change. Our sizes change. Where we live and what we need, it changes. No one is expecting you to keep the same things for your whole life. If you can, that's great. But we have to revisit the lifespan of our belongings because ultimately, both the creation and the disposal of these items 
impacts so many people, so many people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse, researched, written, hosted, edited by me, Amanda Lee McCarty, a person who had a slumber party that no one came to. That's what therapy's for. (laughs) I'm still working on it. Um, If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, And most importantly, tell a friend because collective action, community, that's what's really going to change the world and make it a better place. If you'd like to support my work here on Close Horse, please check out patreon.com slash close horse podcast. And thanks as always to my other half, Dustin Travis White, for our music and audio support. Bye. (laughs) 